0: Again, friends, I say to you, good morning. It is good to, uh, good to see you. Let me start um, by, by letting you, I've had a few people ask me this morning, um, most of the time when I wear a shirt on a Sunday morning, I pick out a shirt, it's simply because it doesn't have to be ironed. That's my barometer. You know, do I not have to iron that shirt? That is not why I wore this shirt. If you are wondering, I am wearing Duke Blue intentionally today. If you don't follow college football, that means nothing to you. But if you do follow college football, you know yesterday that an emerging powerhouse was born. Tennessee. Not nah, Tennessee. So no, they did. That, that's a whole different thing. That was good, too. That was good too. Anyway. Sorry, sorry. Okay, we're going to stop because there's just nowhere to go but in trouble from there. Uh, more important things. Let me share something with you before we begin. Our, our scripture this morning is Exodus 18, if you want to, uh, to get there in your Bibles. Uh, in front of you this morning, you see these boxes on the, uh, on the prayer altar here. This morning and in the next service, we're going to have a blessing uh, up front of, of our Stephen ministers. In your bulletins this morning, there is an insert talks about Stephen ministry. On the back of that insert, it has the names of, of all our active Stephen ministers. There's a lot of Stephen ministers in the church over the years, but it has the names of those active Stephen ministers. And encourage you and, and really, really just kind of um, implore maybe isn't the right word, but for you to be in prayer for our Stephen ministers and for this wonderful ministry for the church. Um, these boxes we're also blessing this morning, uh, they are communion boxes. They'll be used by our Stephen ministers for the communion elements when they go into people's homes or some some of our Stephen ministers do hospital visitation and the opportunity to take communion to those who are unable to come and receive communion. And obviously, especially in this service, communion is something we value very, very much as, as a powerful way we experience the, the presence of God. And so that's, that's what these are. I was thinking about it before the service. It's an example of the way that, you know, very often our mindset is we come to church. And then we say, well, I'm going to church. Well, you're, you're not because church isn't the bricks and mortar. It's us. And so this is a way, and Stephen Ministries' embodiment of many of the ways that we take the church to the world or to those who are in places of need. And so these boxes are a tangible um, reminder of that. So as we receive communion this morning, you get a chance to look at those. But I want you to to be in prayer for our Stephen ministers and our Stephen ministry, as for all the ministries of the church and the ways that we we seek to reach the hurting, and the uh, and those in their places of need. So I wanted you to kind of know what that was and be aware of that this morning, and uh, that's a good kind of lead in, and we'll talk about that as as we look at our scripture this morning in Exodus uh, chapter eighteen, verses thirteen through twenty-three. It's a, we get an insight into a a conversation that Moses has with his father-in-law Jethro. We're going to pick it up kind of mid-chapter, but this is a a time in Moses' life as he's leading the people in their journey through the wilderness when um, we get an insight into the people that God placed in his life or the person that God placed in his life to speak some truth to him. And we all need people in our lives that speak truth to us. Uh, sometimes hard truths, but are willing to say the things that we need to hear, and Jethro became that for Moses. So let's pick it up at at uh, Exodus chapter 18, beginning at verse 13. It says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach him his decrees and instructions. And show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this as God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain And all these people will go home satisfied. Brothers and sisters, we pray here God's blessing on the reading of his word. Let us pray. Lord, that your voice, your Holy Spirit would speak in these moments of worship, in these moments of reading your word and hearing these words. May they be from you, of you, and empowered by you to speak truth to our lives. We pray it in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. I don't know if it's simply because of, of what I do for a, for a living, what God has called me to do, the fact that, that I speak every week or just about every week in front of you. And, and so it's, it's a natural part of, of the rhythm of my life and, and the way that I live out my calling. But I, I, I tend to try to be very aware of speech patterns my speech patterns i try to be very aware of tendencies and things i say and how i respond and and communicate my own thoughts and and feelings and i try to be aware aware of um tendencies redundancies patterns in my own speech i've i've given tony and and john and and others um that i am with on a daily basis I've, i've literally given them permission to say to me, you're in patterns. We're catching tendencies and things you're saying uh, that are very common. I, I always dread the thought that you all know what I'm gonna say before I say it. Um, and so, so I'm, I try to be very aware of those things. So the reason I'm saying that is, is I became aware just recently of, of a pattern that I've fallen into. And it's not an uncommon pattern because I say it and I hear it. And I was having a conversation with a, a friend that I talked to um, infrequently. And he was asking as, as the conversations began, you know, how are you doing? How are things with you? And I said, oh, I'm really busy. Just really busy. And, and then we went into the conversation. And, I, and for whatever reason, I was thinking about that phrase and that, that statement later on because I realized how often I say that. I've probably said it to some of you. Oh, how are things going, Chris? Oh, they're busy. They're busy. That's kind of the fallback statement. And I say it because, you know, it's true. It's probably true for most of us. We're busy. But as I started to think about it, I, I started to just ask myself this simple question. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is the fact that I'm busy a good thing or is it a bad thing? And the reality is the answer to that is yes. Yes. It is a good thing to be busy. We're, we're meant to be engaged and active and, and, and about the work that, that, that we as Christians believe God's called us to. So, so busyness has value. But <laughs> there's a line that we can cross where what has value becomes destructive, um, detrimental, uh, no longer productive. There's a lot of ways that we could describe it. But there's a point that we have all danced along and that we've probably all crossed at some point where busy becomes um, something that isn't any longer productive, isn't no longer a good thing. And and I can usually start to pick up in my own life um, when I'm starting to cross that line or when I've crossed that line and this is how it will manifest itself. Now I know that this is very unique for me that none of you have ever had this problem but I'll share mine and that is I will have had a long busy day well, I will be tired. I will be ready for bed. The lights will go off. My head will hit the pillow. I know that's never happened to you, but, and I can't shut it off. I can't stop. I, a, a, a couple, just a few days ago, I, I told Tony, I was like, I was just cooked. And I was like, I might may, may be out by 8 o'clock. Well, about 11 o'clock, I'm talking to her, you know, I can't sleep, I should, and, and for me, it's, it's my nature, I calculate sleep, I know how important it is, so I, 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 go to bed, I go to bed with the idea of, okay, I have to get up at five, I have to get up at six, whatever it is, and, and so I'm, I'm going to try to get, say, seven hours, so I go to bed, all right, I'm going to get seven hours of sleep, this is good, seven hours is good. And then I okay, six hours. I'm I'm at six hours, that's okay, I can do you know, you do that and then so I, so I start to talk to myself. You really need to get some sleep. You've got to go to sleep somehow as if I can convince myself. You know, and, and those kind of things. And I've had people even after the first service came and shared with me things I could try to do. But the, but the point is, but but the point is it's it's a product of it's a product of stress. Stress, that's, that's what begins to creep into my life and what begins to inevitably creep into your lives. We all deal with it. I don't, I, I've never had anybody that I've known uh, that has said, I've never had any stress in my life. I've just, and the sad part is our kids are dealing with it at younger and younger ages. I mean, it is one of the challenges of being a parent is trying to teach our children how to manage stress. And I think they've had to learn how to manage it much sooner than I remember having to manage it. Uh, because it is, it is such a challenge. So it's that point in which, and stress is just, it comes from the Latin word, and it means to be, um, to be drawn tightly, you know, to be drawn tightly. And, and so how do we begin to manage this and, and, and to hear this challenge of, of recognizing busyness is good, but, but stress isn't necessarily too much anyway. And how do we begin to kind of find that line and, and to begin to wrestle with those places of, of being healthy and productive versus, um, you know, uh, stress, stress is one of the leading causes of illness. You know, that doctors sometimes say 80% of what patients they see are dealing with illness as a product of stress. Uh, there's an institute of, uh, American Institute of Stress Management, I believe, that was started in the 70s. In 1983, Time magazine had a headline on t- their, their magazine that said, Stress, the Epidemic of the 80s. The sad part is, you could repeat that cover in the 90s, and the aughts, and today. I mean, it, it hasn't gotten any, any less challenging for us. And so this is one of those scriptures that, that speaks, as, as scripture does, this one speaks very, very plainly to the, to the practical realities that we have to begin to manage in our lives and in our health because we see it in the life of Moses. And so that, that's kind of the backdrop here. We have Moses who is leading the people that God has called him to lead. And that's important to begin with. He's doing what God has called him to do. He's just doing too much of it. And so he had been called to lead the Israelites out of their bondage and slavery in Egypt. They had done that. When they came out of Egypt, some historians believe there was as many as 600,000 men among the the people of the Hebrew children that were led out out of Egypt. Now that's 600 men because that's all they counted. That did not count the women and the children. So you can just begin to get an idea for the size of the community that he's leading through the wilderness. And as he's doing that, he is the boss. He's the leader. He's the one that they come to when there's disputes, when there's problems, decisions to be made. They're coming to him. And he's getting drawn tighter and tighter and tighter. And Jethro sees this. His father in law sees this. And in what is one of the great verses of Scripture, one of the profound verses of Scripture, Jethro looks at him and says, What you are doing is not good. You have passed the line. That's not that his intention is bad, it's not that his call of God is not good, it's that he's moved into a, 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 a he's, he's stretched too thin. He stretched too thin. So what do we begin to learn? How do we begin to take this lesson that Moses gets and begin to internalize it into our own lives? And here's the first takeaway that I pull from this, is that we have to recognize that we don't have an inexhaustible capacity. You and I do not have an inexhaustible capacity. There there is only so much that we can do. This is common sense. None of you are going to go, oh, wow, I've never thought about that. But, but the reality is we can only do so much. That's exactly what Jethro says to Moses. Moses, you're doing too much. And what you're doing isn't good for anybody. It's not good for you. And here's the truth. It's not good for the people either. It is not good for the people you're called to serve because you're just going to frustrate them. You might be doing the right thing, but you're doing too much of it. I mean, it, y'all know what it's like. We've all been there. You go to the department store, you go to the grocery store, and there's one person at the checkout line. And he or she's working as hard as they can It doesn't matter. It's still frustrating when you're standing in line waiting, isn't it? That's what happens here. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. It's not good for you. It's not good for them because we only have so much capacity. And what is stress? Stress is simply that gap between what we feel we have to do and what we can actually do. Or the ought to and the can do. It's the gap. It's the ratio between what we feel we ought to do and what we legitimately can do. And, and Jethro says, you got more on your ought to than, you can, than you've got in your can do. And so you have to recognize that there is this tension. You're overburdened. We've got to recognize capacity. I don't know if you've ever heard of a plimsoll line. I've never, I'd never heard of one until this week. But in the eight, late 19th century, Samuel plimsoll became very, very disturbed at the amount of... Um, sailors in the united kingdom that were drowning every year that were dying in in boating accidents and, and capsized ships uh, a thousand up to a thousand a year were dying every year in the united kingdom and what was happening was these these ship owners and these these merchants they were they were putting too much cargo on their ships and they were threatening the buoyancy and the stability and so many of them were capsizing and many people were dying so he uh he proposed a bill for the Parliament. And this bill basically said that these ships, these merchant ships, had to create a line that would be visible on the, on the starboard and the port side of the hull that if that line dropped below water level, that ship was overburdened. That was a capacity line. You can still see it on ships and cruise ships and things. It's a line that if that line drops below the water level, that boat has reached its capacity So it's called a plimsoll line. Now here's the thing. We all have in our lives a plimsoll line, a point where we've reached capacity. Now here's the rest of the story that was so interesting. In their wisdom, in that first order of of the parliament, in their wisdom they decided that they would allow the ship owners to determine what that plimsoll line was. They could determine what line had to be drawn. All All the law said is that they had to draw a line on the ship. So they started putting lines on the funnels. At the top, you know? Way beyond what was even reasonable just to do it, just out of spite. Well, the reality is that's what many of us do with our lives. We create our capacity line way, way higher than it really can be. And we become, we take on more can-do or more ought-to than we have can-do. And we reach a capacity. And what happens is we do nobody any good. And we don't do ourselves. So, our motives are right. Again, Moses' problem isn't... Laziness, he's not a procrastinator. I'll I'll confess I struggle with that. Sometimes I get in stressful situations because I've put stuff off. And I have to fight that every week with the sermon. Um, (laughs) and Tony can tell you stories about Saturday nights and early Sunday mornings I've had. So sometimes it's our own doing, okay? And and I I I will I will carry the banner for that group, okay? I struggle with that. That's not Moses' case his heart's in the right place. He wants to do the things God's called him to do. He wants to be faithful. He wants to bless the people. Everything he's doing is out of the right motivation and the right reasons, but it's just more than he can handle. He hadn't learned what his capacity, Jethro says, you're way over capacity. So we have to start with that. Now that's, that's an easy thing to say. It's hard to find. I don't know what your capacity is, but you've got to begin to find that. You've got to begin to wrestle with that you've got to begin to find a plimsoll line for your life and ask yourself in those nights when you're staring at the ceiling because you can't sleep, has my plimsoll line dropped below the water level of what I carry? So here's the second thing, though. When we recognize that, it's not that we discard things that won't get done, but the second truth is that we depend and we rely on the community. We have a capacity, but God has also called us to live out our faith in community and so part of letting go of things is not that they don't get done but that we learn to let go so that others can step into the things that they're good and gifted and called to do because not any not one of us is called to do all things one of the scriptures i have in my office on my wall is ephesians chapter 4 Five and six. It says, to some he called to be teachers, to be apostles, to be prophets, to be pastors. And here's the next line. To equip the body for the work of ministry. To equip the body for the work of ministry. I think one of the most detrimental titles that we give people who do what I do is the title of minister. I'm a minister. It is true. But I'm not the minister. I'm a minister. Guess what you are? Ministers. You're ministers. I'm called to live that out in a unique way. I'm called to take the gifts I have and to use them in ministry, but so are you. And the problem is, what happens is we get in this mindset based on our language, well, he or she, they're the minister. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach us, to equip the body for the work of ministry. Drethro says, you got to stop doing that, but it's not that it's not going to get done. What you need to do, Moses, is empower some people who have the ability to do what you're doing. Basically, what he's saying to Moses, hey, guess what? You ain't the only one who can do this. You are not the, indis- one of the most humbling things about life in any venture, in any avenue, whether it's church or work or your community of friends, is when you learn the lesson, and I learned the lesson, that we are not indispensable, that every one of us can be replaced. We are all important, but not a single one of us is, is indispensable because other people have gifts that we have too. And other people have gifts that we don't have. And so he says, Moses, let other people step up. You still will deal with the important stuff. You're still kind of at the top, but let other people step, let this community of million and so people step in and and, and find some of those that, that can do what you're doing. In other words, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, he says it's getting the right people on the bus. He says you gotta get the right people on the bus. Now I want to tell you, one of the most liberating lessons I learned when I was young in ministry, and and I'm almost embarrassed to say it because it seems like it should be such an obvious lesson, but I had a a, a teacher and a a consultant speaking to a group of us as pastors, and he looked at us, I'll never forget this, and he said, stop working on your weaknesses. He said, stop working on your weaknesses. Now, that seemed counterintuitive to me. Shouldn't that be exactly what you work on? Work on the things you don't do well. And he said, no. He said, stop doing that. Because if you get twice as good at something you're not good at already, you're still not good at it. (laughs) He said, you're still not good at it. He said, work out of your strengths. Do the things that you can do better than other people. And let them do the things that they can do better than you. But he said, stop working on it. He said, in other words, let go of things. Let the community be the community. Let the body of Christ live in to their gifts. As Paul would say, the toe be the toe, the eye be the eye, the hand be the hand. You be whatever it is that you've been called to be because that's who we are. That's why we celebrate ministries like Stephen Ministry. I tell you what, if, if it was dependent upon me to provide pastoral care to this congregation, most of you wouldn't get it because I can't do that much. And to tell you the truth, and I said this, and I'll say it in the next service, I said it in the first, some of our Stephen ministers do it better than I do. Some of it do, some of, some of our Stephen ministers you would much rather see if you're in the hospital than me. Now it's not that I won't come and I'll always do my best to be there, but I guarantee you, you may get a visit one day from a Stephen minister and that Stephen minister may leave and you're going to go, man, I feel a lot better than I did when Chris left. <laughs> It's just true. It, it's true because they've got that gift. Now, it's not that I don't, I'm going to, I'm not abdicating that. I'm still going to try. But because some people just have gifts that I, I, I work on, but, but they have it better than I do. God's given them something, a, a sensitivity and awareness that isn't, isn't mine. And I celebrate that. That's, that's who we're called to be as the community. Because what happens is it keeps us from getting stretched too thin. You know, there's that fun. It's it's like, well, it's like a rubber band. You know, rubber band with tension is a good thing. With a rubber band with the right amount of tension, you can do cool stuff with a rubber band with the right amount of tension. (laughs) But too much tension on a rubber band, ouch. You know, it snaps. You know that. We've all had that lesson. That's what happens in our lives. Too much tension. Too much of that distance between what we ought to do, and what we can do, and, and it's not good for us, and it's not good for the community. So we recognize our capacity. Jethro says, Moses, you're beyond your capacity. We recognize we have a community that we're called to be a part of, that we can depend upon each other. Jethro says, Moses, delegate. Let people do the things that they're good at doing, and you do the things that you're good at doing. But Then the third thing is really the first thing. The third thing is really the first thing. It was capacity and community, and I did this in three C's only so I could remember it. But the third is connection. First and foremost is our connection to God. First and foremost is the power of God's Holy Spirit through his son Jesus Christ that is at work within us that allows us to depend not upon our strength but upon his strength. Jethro says to Moses in verse 19, he says, listen to me now and I will give you some advice And may God be with you. God says that if, or he goes on to say, if you do this and as God commands you, you will be able to stand the strain. In other words, your abilities are dependent upon your connection with God who speaks into your life. Our abilities to stand the strain, because life comes at us hard, no matter what advice I give you, you know what, you're still going to find yourself stressed. You know what, I'm going to still stare up at the ceiling some night going, I feel like i got more than I can handle. But the key, the most important relationship, even more than to understand our capacity, even more than our community, is first and foremost our connection with God. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Bring it to me and allow me to burden, to, to, to lessen your burden. Paul says that I delight in those persecutions and hardships. He writes that in Corinthians, because when I'm weak, I learn to depend on his strength. I learn to depend on the power of Christ that is at work within me. The prophet says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We learn to depend upon Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a blithosphere. Have you ever heard of a, a Blythesphere? Those were the um, early versions or the original versions of the submersibles that were created to go to the deepest parts of the ocean. They've they've modified, they call them something different now. But, But if you know depths and heights, Mount Everest, the highest point on the earth, is about five and a half miles above sea level. The deepest part of the Pacific Ocean is the Mariana Trench, Challenger's Deep is what they call it. It is seven miles below the surface of the earth. Okay, so put that in perspective, heights versus depth. So the the Blythosphere, and you've probably seen them, like I said, they look like an eyeball with a little window in the front. And it was the first um, submersibles that, that people could get in to go to those incredible depths and see to the best of their ability what was down there. One of the things that scientists were initially very surprised with when they got to those incredible depths were the fact that marine life existed there under that immense pressure that there were fish and other marine animals. And they were startled by that because it took these blythospheres, I mean layers and layers of steel, thick, thick steel, to withstand those immense pressures. And yet this marine life they found had very very thin thin skin and here was the key they were created in such a way that they were filled with more pressure than was being exerted upon them in other words rather than air or spaces like we have in our bodies they would basically take that pressure in and it would fill them from the inside so that the pressure was in would be greater than the pressure that was without so they could withstand depths that we could not begin to exist in because of what was and is within them. Jesus says, let me fill you. Let me fill you so that what is within you is stronger than what is thrust upon you. Let me be your strength and trust in me So that you can live into that promise. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why do we know our role? Well, because it's important to know that one, we only have a capacity for so much. There's a plimsoll line for each of our lives. And we cannot exceed it without eventually snapping. We need to know our relationships. And my role is not your role. And your role may not be mine. But we depend upon each other, all equally important. And we need to know who we depend upon. First and foremost, where our strength, where our power comes from. It comes from the presence of Christ that works within us and works through us. So that the pressure that is exerted from within is greater from that than that which comes from without. That's why we know our role. To understand our capacity, to connect with our community, and be connected to our God through Christ amen let's pray gracious lord thank you for your promise for your speaking into our lives for the the blessing that we can be for each other and for the truth that you do so much more through us united in ministry than you could do through any one of us alone we face our challenges the stress comes there are times in our lives we feel we are wound way too tight lord help us to let go of some of those burdens to find strength in our community and power in Christ. This is our prayer, and we pray it in your holy name. Amen.